Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. It's Wednesday, January the 25th, and we're going to start with one of our most read stories on the site today. People living at a holiday park in Margate fear being evicted if they can't pay a year's worth of fees in one go. Now, bosses at Bradgate Holiday Park say they've been left with no choice but to ask for the money after some residents defaulted on their payments by as many as eight months. Now, the site has around 200 130 mobile homes and chalets and the owners say an annual payment is how most parks operate. Well, we've been speaking to Doug Tivers, who lives there. Everybody's been paying monthly for the pitch fees for years, over 30 years, and all of a sudden now we have to pay six monthly or yearly, which is working out around about £6,000 or so. Most people can't do it. A few people have already left because of it or because there's two or three people that are in rent arrears, pitch fee arrears. So everybody else is being penalised for those few people. It's awful here. The, the, the depression, you can feel it walking around the park. They set up a finance company or a deal with a finance company. Lots of people have phoned the finance company but been declined because they're pensioners. They won't give loans pensioners. Well, the park is owned by Wildcrest Parks and this is what their chief executive has had to say. We were asked to go monthly, which we agreed to, but never said it would be permanent. We did it with the best of intentions and now it looks like it has backfired on us. Then we had quite a few people defaulting on payments, some by up to eight months and then removing their caravans. We had to dedicate someone to deal with it and ultimately decided we couldn't carry on like that as a business because otherwise there would be no park. An annual site fee in advance is the business model used by just about every other park home operator. Bradgate is only licensed as a holiday park, so people should not be living there permanently anyway. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today, and the Kent Online podcast has been told a comprehensive review is underway following the death of a baby at a Kent hospital. Tommy Francis Kneebone, who was seven months old, passed away after being taken to Pembury Hospital on Saturday. The Maidstone and Tunbridge Wells NHS Trust say their deepest sympathies are with his parents and they're looking at the care he received. A stalker from Medway who sent gifts, flowers and love letters to his former partner for almost a year has been given a restraining order. Mark Nichols was repeatedly spotted outside the victim's home and she ended up installing a doorbell camera to help her feel more safe. The 51-year-old from Pump Lane in Raynham has also been ordered to do 80 hours of unpaid work and complete 10 rehabilitation sessions. Police have started an investigation after a 12-year-old girl was attacked outside Poundland in Maidstone. Video footage of what happened on Week Street at the weekend was posted on TikTok. Shop staff and officers who were nearby stepped in to stop it and were told the victim suffered minor injuries. Meantime, police have been called to a school near Ashford after a pupil was injured. There were unconfirmed reports of a stabbing at Homewood School in Tenterden yesterday. Officers say they're working to establish the circumstances. Now, next... Next, we can hear from an NHS volunteer from Kent who's paid tribute today to two British humanitarian aid workers who've been killed in Ukraine. Chris Parry and Andrew Bagshaw were hit by a shell while rescuing an elderly woman. Brian Grove from Sittingbourne has been on the front line himself. This is what he's had to say to the podcast. Chris and Andrew were two very brave men. They went where most people would not go 
into basically the heat, the hottest of the hot zones. As far as we can work out, even before Mission Ukraine took them, uh, the 4 by 4 that they had with them at the end, with their previous van, which uh, was not really rugged enough for the conditions, between them they'd saved over 400 people evacuated from areas that nobody else was willing or able to get to. That's lives saved. And uh, no matter what criticism comes from some quarters for the, for going into the most dangerous areas, you cannot argue with the fact they saved lives right up to the end. On their first trip, after they got the vehicle that Mission Ukraine took over for them, their very first trip, they rescued a man and a child right from the front lines who could not get out any other way. They saved lives and that really, there's no greater tribute that we can give than that. Being part of the humanitarian effort in Ukraine is... It's an amazing experience. Um, sometimes it seems almost surreal. Um, you're very often going through this beautiful countryside and suddenly you come up against a bomb hole. Um, you're pulling to a petrol station at night and whereas here they're all lit up brightly, in most parts of Ukraine they're in pitch blackness you even when you get to a petrol station you turn off the ignition turn off your headlights because you do not want to be a target how people live like that all the time i honestly don't know they are an amazing people that's not to say they're perfect any more than the brits are perfect we all have our faults but they are more determined than they have ever been as a rule. The majority of them are determined to keep going, keep fighting for their own freedom and also for ours. Because if Putin is allowed to get away with what he's got away with in places like Syria, Chechnya, Georgia and now Ukraine, nowhere is safe. And the politicians who prevaricate frankly, will be seen by history in the same way that we now look at Neville Chamberlain as an appeaser and a collaborator. So I say to those politicians, stop playing into Putin's hands. Give Ukraine what it needs. Chris and Andrew dealt with far more than I and most other humanitarian aid workers have to deal with. When we go into Ukraine, we find very often numerous checkpoints everywhere we go. Then we'll get to wherever we're staying, sometimes in the middle of the night, and find there's no power, occasionally no water. Um, that may be at predictable times, but very often it isn't. And But they went beyond that. When I went to villages in the areas around Kherson, there were 
sounds of gunfire, sounds of uh, rocket fire, and some of them were fairly close. By close, I mean half a mile. Chris and Andrew went right into the most dangerous areas to save lives. They were coming under attack more than daily. How they coped, I honestly don't know. Uh, I think most of us would have cracked up, to be honest. And I know volunteers who knew them and volunteers who didn't um, will be wanting our chance to express solidarity with their families and appreciation for what these two very brave men have done since the beginning of the war. Kent Online reports. The amount we pay towards policing in Kent could be going up. The county's police and crime commissioner is proposing a £15 a year rise for a Bandy house via our council tax. That works out at 4p a day and would take the annual payment up to just over £243. There'll be a vote on it next week. It's understood Eurostar is having to run trains that are nearly a third empty because of increased Brexit border checks. Staff shortages are also causing delays at stations. We're told there are no immediate plans to resume services from Ebbsfleet or Ashford. At Kent Online today, you can see drone images of a Brexit lorry park near Ashford that now appears to be sitting empty. The inland border facility was built off the M20 in Sevington to check HGVs carrying particular goods in and out of the UK, but the policy keeps being delayed. Well, the government's been accused of making a costly mistake in its rush to leave the EU, with Kent County Council having to foot some of the bill. Now, the podcast has been told today that the food and drink sector in Kent faces a crisis due to partly Brexit, but also COVID and the cost of living crisis. The group representing small producers in the county has spoken out and is encouraging us to shop local to try and reverse their fortunes. The cost of gas and electricity is one of the main issues affecting producers right now. So let's hear from Flossa Hooter, who's the chief exec of Produced in Kent. I just looked up some some studies that have been done. You know, a study by LSE students in 2022 showed that Brexit alone added uh, £210 to household food food bill over two years from January 2020 to the end of 2021. So that shows you the increase in production costs. ONS said in April that the food and drink sector suffered more from rising energy prices than any other sector, with only 3% saying that they had not been affected by prices compared to 20% in the other sectors. Um, Especially high energy using food and drink businesses, dairy, manufacturers, pubs, restaurants, they have seen some scary rises in energy bills. I recently shared a a post on LinkedIn which uh, showed an energy bill from a pub and that was six and a half thousand just for one month so that is that's enormous uh for small businesses that's that's a real chunk um and don't forget that before the government came up with their support packages uh support package for business for for energy costs business energy rates were uncapped so they could really fluctuate and you know and on top of that you know the, the whole energy uh, the topic of energy prices, a lot of businesses in the past year and, and now have been starting to pay off their COVID loans. So that's another cost that comes on top of it. So, you know, that 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 shows, you know, how um, how, how big the pressure becomes on, on production of food 
and so that you have that on the one side and then on the other side you've got you know very weak demand at the moment due to the cost of living crisis hmm. so you know stagnating salaries over the past years rising energy petrol costs uh, for some rising mortgage costs and then on top of that rising food costs um i think last week it was in the news that overall sales uh were down year on year for december last year so it shows that people are really you know tightening the purse strings and the cost of food increased by 16.8 percent year on year by december 2022 so that's the highest rate since at least 1977. um so yeah lots of challenges to look at but i think you know it if anything, the last two years have also shown that the sector is extremely resilient and creative and innovative. And, you know, people have changed their, their business completely to cater for new audiences. They've found new markets. They've, they, they, you know, they made investments for, for business growth. Um, and, you know, a lot of good has come out of the crisis as well. So I think we should also focus on that. We can't, we can't just focus on a negative. We have to, you know, it's the reality. So we have to talk about it. But I think we should also talk about all the, all the fantastic stuff that has come out of the crisis. Sure. I mean, given the, uh, you know, this sort of perfect storm of challenges over the last few years, I mean, it is remarkable, really, that so many companies continue onwards, don't they? And, and looking optimistic, because, I mean, you, you can't have imagined in sort of 29 or, you know, go back five years, you, you can't have imagined the challenges that would be relentless that they were going to face. No, I don't think anyone could have imagined this set of, of factors. Um, but, but again, you know, it's, um, I, I find it remarkable and I have deep respect for how the food and drink sector has continued to go on and, and they had to step up, you know, during, during the crisis, they really had to step up, uh, especially the local independent food and drink uh, businesses, because people, you know, especially at the beginning of, of the pandemic, they had to, to, to change the local, they, you know, they, could, they couldn't literally venture out to the supermarkets. So they had to kind of they re rediscovered that whole local local arena of food and drink. And and those businesses really, really stepped up. Um and I yeah, I, I want to celebrate that. I want to I want to really, you know, of course it's it's our job as a membership organization for food and drink, but I'm so incredibly proud of of how strong uh, that sector has proven to be. Um, and you know, you know, we've we've seen businesses starting up during the pandemic. Food and drink businesses starting up. You know, we're currently running a two-year program which is called Boost Your Business. Um, we're helping an additional 125 small, predominantly small businesses becoming more visible to consumers and buyers. We, we're, we're we're offering a tailored uh, marketing and promotional business support package. And, and these are all small, small businesses that haven't been around for a long time. And, you know, a lot of them set up during the pandemic and are just really positive and they're going for it, you know, and they're, and they're jumping into that new, you know, I, I think the pandemic also in a, in a very weird way has benefited the local food and drink sector in that, you know, consumers have become more tuned into local product. 
they want uh, you know they're more into healthy options they 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 they're much more open to plant based eating sustainable businesses you know so we're really seeing a surge in new food businesses that are you know making fermented product plant based product gluten free product vegan ice cream you know it's 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 this whole new arena that 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 is now becoming more normal if you will Sure. Uh, and I think that's very encouraging. They've got a campaign running at the moment. It's called Don't Lose It, Use It, which warns some firms will go under if we don't support them. Well, with that in mind, an award-winning Kemp pub is being forced to close amid a warning the hospitality industry is in a scary state. One of the owners of the Compasses Inn is a Michelin-star chef, but they're struggling to afford increasing energy and supply costs. The pub's in the tiny village of Crundale between Ashford and Canterbury and will be closing for good in March. We do have a bit of better news for the industry that's coming up for you in the podcast in just a bit. Kent Online reports. Now, thousands of parents across Kent are still unsure if their children will be in class when teachers go on strike in exactly a week's time. Some schools have already announced they'll be closed, but others say a decision will have to be made on the day. Staff are walking out on the 1st of February in a dispute with the government over pay and working conditions. Perhaps you're a teacher and you're due to strike next week, or you may be a parent and you don't know yet if your child is going to be going to school or not. We'd love to hear from you. We'd like to be able to tell your story. You can email us. The address is news at thekmgroup.co.uk Campaigners are worried plans to revamp Kent's main cricket ground in Canterbury could obliterate its history. Bosses at the Spitfire ground on Old Dover Road want to expand the stands, redevelop the entrance and move a war memorial. You can see what it would look like when it's all done and let us know what you think by heading to the website. Napoleonic vaults and tunnels in Chatham are among the unusual properties going up for auction in Kent. The building off Manor Road is thought to date back to the early 19th century and could be used for storage or a new business. Other lots going under the hammer next month include an abandoned church in Dover, an old school annex in Tunbridge Wells and an area of woodland near Bluewater. Now, as we promised, some better news for the hospitality industry and we've been hearing how a husband and wife team have opened a new micropub in Dover. Jason and Serena Scoble transformed the site of the thirsty scarecrow on the high street into the Staggered Inn and opened just a week before Christmas. The new landlords say they wanted to create a cosy and friendly space for locals with competitive prices and a great drink selection. Well, Serena says it was a big task, but they were up to the job. So an opportunity came up. The landlord hadn't yet sold. So we just quickly arranged a meeting said we wanted it. We've done it very different to how it used to be and the rest is history. So that's it really. And it's something you've always wanted to do? Me. Jay's always wanted to have a micropub. So we we signed contracts, it was the October half term wasn't it? And we gave ourselves six weeks to get it completely refurbed, renovated to how we wanted it, have a new bar built, we've had loads done, had an extra toilet built, and we set ourselves a target of six weeks and we've done it within six weeks. You've aged about 10 years, I've aged 10 years, but we got there in the end. Yeah, I look a bit younger. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely aged, but we've done it and we wanted to open a week before Christmas so we didn't miss all of the Christmas. Yeah, and, and we've been really lucky. We've, people have supported us. We've been really, we've got locals and we've only been open a month. Yes, yeah, And yeah, so far, sense. touch wood, it's all been positive. Yeah. What people have said. That's it, really, isn't it? Yeah, good beer, good cider, competitively priced. 
And is it everything you sort of hoped it would be? Yeah, yes. 100%. Um, yeah, and we've still got other things in the pipeline. It's all about the community. So Friday night seems to be quite busy for us. People can bring a takeaway one night of the week, Tuesday, takeaway Tuesday. So it's all community. But although I work full time, this doesn't feel like working when you're here because no, it's it's not, a job, is it? it's, it's not a job and you're not under any pressure. You're nice. It's nice. It's like a night out. Kent Online News. The RSPCA say they're looking to find a home for two chickens dumped at a recycling centre in Sandwich. Staff at the Richborough site found the cockerels named Homer and Simpson in a box. The animal charity says despite investigations, it's not been able to work out who did it. An Instagram art auction's being held today to try and save the Margate School from potential closure. You may have heard on a previous podcast that it's at risk of shutting after missing out on government funding. Well, artists have donated their work to help reach a fundraising target of £50,000. So far, they're only 12000 away. Jessie Nelson has posted a video on Instagram of the moment she came face-to-face with a tiger in Kent. The former Little Mix stars become the latest celeb to stay at the Port Lim Hotel and Reserve near Hythe. She was safely behind a glass window in one of their lodges when the tiger came up to interact with her. And industry experts have rated four gastro pubs in Kent among the best in Britain. The sportsman at Sea Salter, the Kentish Hare at Tunbridge Wells, the Fordwich Arms near Canterbury and the Dog at Wingham are all in the Estrella Dam Top 50 list. You can check it out by heading to the website today. Well, that's all from us. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details of the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.